Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayWay.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com slash coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited to have special guest Jane Barlow. She's one of the co-founders of Barlow Herbal, and she is what you call a master herbalist. And Jane, I know that you've been involved with herbs for a really long time, and practically it's like in your blood, right? Like your father was a botanist. Um, So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got into this. Yeah, uh, like you said, my my dad was a medicinal botanist. So basically, he got his PhD in making a medicine out of plants. So not just, um, and there's a lot of different degrees in botany where people who are interested in plants. But his love was, what can you do with plants that can replace what people are using as drugs? And if you think about all prescription drugs, their origin was started from plants in the beginning so that was his main love and his main interest so he raised us with things grown out of the garden and things grown in pots all over the house and you know we would gather things it was just kind of a normal hippie way to grow up that was normal to us so yeah it is in my blood for sure awesome well i know that you had talked at the candida summit which you were really good by the way um and there's something called do you say lamadium is that how you say it uh you pronounce it lomatium lomatium okay lomatium yeah yeah, it's yeah. Per- it's spelled lomadium, but it you say lomatium, um, and I've never heard of that before, and I'm sure not a lot of our listeners have have either. Tell me what is lom lom I can't even say it lomatium. Is that right? Lomatium. Lomatium. Lomatium is actually the botanical name. So its full name is lomatium dissectum, and then the variation is multifida. So that's kind of a big mouthful of a botanical name. Right. But but other master herbalists who are familiar with this plant, it's known, a common name is desert parsley because the leaves look like parsley and it's kind of in the parsley family. Um, It's also known as black carrot or biscuit root. So those are a little bit more common names, but... So lamatium is the same as black carrot? Uh, It is, but it's not like... um, yeah, I mean it's it's not in the it's not in the traditional carrot family, so it's not something you can pull out of the ground and get a whole lot of beta carotenes out of it like you would 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 your traditional carrot. So it is it's in the parsley family. If you look up in botany, 
Lomatium is in the parsley family. It's not in the. Not in the and so, what what kind of things does Lomatium cure? Okay, so that is a huge question. Just like the top, the top things. Okay, so basically, I think its most powerful property is that it's antiviral. Mm. So you think about things that we that come at us as humans. Viruses are one of the things that can devastate our health. And normally, and for lots of years, we've been getting prescription antibiotics. And now we know that that, that doesn't work on a virus. Yes. So that's one of its biggest properties. And, and it's I, so ridiculous because it's like all these people go to the doctor. They have a virus that the antibiotics doesn't work for. But they still, for whatever reason, want to get the antibiotics. Well, they just don't know. I think that's... What I find is, if you think about herbal wisdom, it's it's generational, it's passed on. Even mm. even if someone has a grandmother who uses home remedies, that's kind of traditional um, remedies. And th- that's kind of a lost art, but I feel like there's a huge surge of interest because people intuitively know that the, that the antibiotic's not gonna work on their virus, but they don't know what else to do. And they might feel crappy and they're really super sick, and I think what happens is they have this hope that the, that the antibiotic's going to work on their virus. Why else yeah. would you do it, right? Yeah, exactly. So besides that herb, tell me your top five favorite herbs that you use for healing and why. Yeah, okay. So I, I saw this question when you, um, I got a little list of, st- of questions <laughs> you're going to give me. And it's like, oh my gosh, how do I narrow down all the plants and herbs that I love down to five? So I, I kind of picked my best five, and these are five that I take almost every single day. So, okay. and these are not in any particular order. So one of my very favorites is cayenne pepper. Mm. And here's why. Cayenne is amazing for your digestive system. It's mm. really, really good to help speed up your metabolism. And it's what's known as a vasodilator. So some, if someone has issues with their heart, with their veins, with your vascular system, um, cayenne pepper is very, very nourishing. So if you think about the heat from cayenne, like if you were to take a cayenne pepper capsule, because some people don't like the heat from cayenne, and then the capsule breaks open in your stomach and then it can be uncomfortable. It feels a little bit like heartburn. Well, cayenne pepper will actually go in and heal an ulcer. So it might feel like it's the opposite, like Cayenne. So when you're saying you're taking cayenne pepper, are you taking it in capsule form or are you putting it on your food? So I do both because I'm not a big, like I don't like super spicy foods. I only like a little bit of heat. So I do cayenne pepper with, with, a meal, with my meals in a capsule. And then I do, the, I do a liquid tincture of it. And I put it in the morning. I do a, a quart jar of homemade kefir, apple cider vinegar, um, and a little bit of fresh lemon juice with a squirt of cayenne pepper because what that does is that wakes up your digestion. So if you just start eating and you don't, you haven't prepared your body to start digesting food, which happens in your mouth, and cayenne pepper does that. So I do both. I do both. So that's that's probably a, you know, one of my top five. Um, turmeric I take every day. Um, turmeric is really, really, really big right now. I take turmeric every day in my anti-cancer smoothie that I have that's perfect and and there's lots of reasons anti-inflammatory anti-cancer antioxidant you know turmeric is powerful and rightly so 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 when you say turmeric because i literally buy like organic turmeric 
that I buy from the store that looks just, you know, it's in the same place where the oregano and the basil and all of that is. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, we are. But here's the thing that people need to know about turmeric. There's two things. Turmeric, first of all, is fat soluble. So if you're eating turmeric in a smoothie that doesn't have any fat with it, like say there's nothing fat, then your body can't absorb it like it needs to if, if you don't have fat. So you could even take like your fish oil supplement. You could sprinkle your turmeric on an avocado or simply eat, take your turmeric supplement with a meal because most meals have hopefully some type of fat, uh, hopefully a healthy fat. So mm-hmm. turmeric is fat soluble. Now the second thing, and this is where it's really, this is where the combination of plants and herbs come together to give you power. Turmeric needs black pepper. And here's why. Not a lot. There is an um, uh, alkaloid in black pepper that's called piperine. And when piperine comes through your liver, it releases an enzyme that helps your body absorb and assimilate turmeric by 2000%. So think about how people have been using turmeric. All these centuries, they use it in cooking. Like, you know, India, they use curry. Mm. So normally along with turmeric is fresh ground black pepper. And that adds to the health. So if you're just getting, if you're just doing plain turmeric, you're still getting some benefits, but it's minimal. And, and let me ask you this, because you had mentioned the liver. And, yeah. and here's the thing, like, <clears throat> you know, people, you know, you can take too many supplements, you know, that you, where, where your liver, you're just overloading it, right? And it just gets out of control. And I feel like I did that myself at one point because, you know, I'm so into health and I'm reading all these books and it was like, oh, you should take this and you should take this. And you, and I would just, I mean, it was just on and on and on and on. And my liver was like not happy about it. And so talk to me about that. So with these five you're saying these five you take every day? Sometimes. Some. Okay. So I do the cayenne and the turmeric. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do a ginkgo. So I do a ginkgo supplement just because it's good for so many things. It's, it's probably the best studied plant that there is. There are more clinical studies and research on ginkgo. And I do that um, mostly because I'm getting older and I want, I'm all about dementia prevention and circulation and oxygenation to the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's very simple. And so I do that every day as well. Okay. Um, and let me just address really quickly what you said before I forget, because I think this is a very important key. When people start looking into natural health and supplementation, it can be super easy to get overwhelmed. In fact, when I talk to people and I, people, I do one-on-one talk, uh, consultations, I have some people that will have 80 or 90 different things that they're taking because say you're battling cancer or, or you want to prevent cancer or whatever it is you're trying to do. You learn about a plant or an herb or a supplement and you're like, I have to add that. But the thing is, if you were to research the herbs that are good for anti-cancer, there's like 500 that have anti-cancer properties. Here's the deal. You don't need to do 500 you know, find and research and then listen to your intuition, which ones feel right for me. Maybe you only need to do eight or nine. Maybe you only need to do four. You know what I mean? It's, we don't need to overwhelm ourselves with so many supplements that, um, and be afraid. Well, if I take this out, what if I still get cancer and I take this out or whatever, whatever. So I think that's a, a really important thing that you just said, because 
I talk to so many people who are taking supplements all day long. <laughs> it's out of control, right? Well, yeah. what's the big difference between the herbs that you grow and the ones that you can buy at the store? Because, you know, when people think of herbs, right, just the regular person, yeah. they're thinking about what they have in their cupboard, like the yeah. oregano, the basil, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a really good question, too, because this is there's a huge misconception that if you have a shaker bottle up of oregano up in your cupboard, and it might take you two years to get through it or five years. I mean, I know my neighbor has a spice wheel that she got for her wedding 13 years ago. Right. And she uses it every once in a while. But the thing is this, it might add a little bit of flavor to your food, but there's absolutely no nutritional or medicinal properties or value to that anymore. In fact, mm -hmm. the shelf life of your spices is anywhere from three to six months. So wow. short, it's super short. So don't, you know, don't buy a thing of cayenne and stick it up in your cupboard and take a year or a year and a half to use it because wow. you, you might as well get the benefits of it, right? If you're going to use it. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. Yeah. So the thing to do is to either grow your own and it's super, super easy. My favorites are these basil, rosemary, parsley and Italian parsley. I do two types of parsley. Um, and chives. So I, those are ones, I have five pots of these that I grow and move them inside during the winter because I'm in Utah. We have really harsh winters and I use them all year long, all year. Because awesome. any, any, I just started growing my own garden, but I have it outside, but I have one of those like big wooden ones. Um, but I need to, I think that's a good idea because now it's coming into winter now and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So that's a yeah, good idea with the pots. Yeah, that's great. Start with a couple of things. I mean, rosemary is an, is a perennial, you know, rosemary, we just have a big pot of it and we just bring it in the house and all year long we have rosemary. That's awesome. And it, so powerfully good for you besides how tasty it is and it smells yeah, good and that's all great well yeah. one of the things i like to ask all my guests is for them to tell us about the foods they eat and kind of what does what does a day look like for you you know what do you like to eat for breakfast what do you like to eat for lunch what do you like to eat for dinner and you know walk us through kind of some of the things that you like to eat and how fanatical like would i ever catch you eating anything that's bad quote bad you know that would you would you eat a plate of nachos or not <laughs> yes you would because, because the, first of all and i'll definitely walk you through my day because i actually have people ask me this all the time especially as i get older it's like okay well how are you not gaining weight going through menopause and how you know like and how are you not on any prescription drugs? So I have a, I have a rule, I like to call the 80-20 rule. I believe that we should eat clean and eat, you know, what's gonna give our body nutrition. It doesn't have to be, tastes like cardboard, it's still delicious. Right. 80% of the time we should eat food that we know is good for us. 20% of the time we need to enjoy this physical body and yeah, have a big plate mm -hmm. of nachos, have a big piece of birthday cake, and then this is what you want to do. If you eat something that you would normally not eat, give it love. You know, like enjoy it, taste it, savor it, and then don't beat yourself up afterward. Mm. Even if maybe you have, you know, sometimes I'll have a slight stomach ache if I eat something that I normally wouldn't eat. Not very often because I never, ever stress about it. I never go, oh, darn, my best friend got married and I just had this most fabulous piece of, of wedding cake. 
you know, it was the best wedding cake ever. So I'm like, so you, you have to enjoy being alive in this amazing human body yes. and not be rigorous and strict. And yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, as a, you know, you know, I've written a book and really the, the basis of my book is, is I've interviewed all these women who have been thin their whole life. They've never struggled with their weight. And the majority of them said that number 80, 20, and it's like, that's the number that they gave over and over again is 80% of the time I eat very clean. I eat very healthy, but 20% of the time I eat what I want, but I really savor it. Talk about savoring, uh, the food, uh, for just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Because think about uh, as Americans, we kind of tend to shovel food in like pretty fast. And especially if you're in a social situation, you're not even really thinking about what you're eating. You're maybe chatting. So you, I think to be more mindful about how you, you know, what you're eating and how much you're eating. Cause I think that can be a huge issue is you might maybe eat healthy, healthy food, but if you eat too much healthy food, you're going to still have some of the same problems like bloating and indigestion and constipation. And you, your, our bodies aren't designed for that much food. So smaller portions, enjoy it. Put your fork down. You know, these are things we hear all the time in between bites, put your fork down. Mm-hmm. And here's another really good tip. I, you know, that has helped me a ton because I've had digestive issues in the past is to not drink ice cold water with a meal, but maybe yeah. if you want to drink something with your meal, like ginger tea or something warm. That's going to, if you need to sip on something while you're in between bites, something that's going to actually aid in digestion rather than hinder. Yeah, that's yeah. great. All right. Naomi in Chesterfield says, I loved your podcast with April when she talked about healing her cancer naturally. She said that she recommends a lot of using Chinese herbs, but she didn't really specify which Chinese herbs and which were the best for helping fighting cancer. Can you clarify? Okay. So my expertise is not in Chinese herbs. My expertise is more in Native American medicine, uh, more traditional herbs, but I, we do actually have a few things like I love ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is very much uh, in Chinese Ayurvedic medicine. It's an adaptogenic herb. So it helps to balance body chemistry, helps to clear out the toxins that are like the byproduct of just a normal metabolic process of being a human. Um, so I, my big area of expertise is not in Chinese medicine. I know there is a lot of Chinese herbs that have a lot of anti-cancer properties, but I am not super familiar with them. So awesome. That's fine. But, but if you said, but if you would say the top, your favorite, you said the ashwagandha, what else would you say that for cancer fighting that you'd say, these are some really important ones. Okay, so turmeric. Turmeric is very much anti-cancer. There's an herb called bloodroot that is one of my favorites along with watercress. And then there's a formula that was developed by a Canadian nurse. Her name was Renee Casey. And she developed a formula that you or some people, maybe your listeners might be uh, familiar with. Um, she, there's four herbs that have powerful anti-cancer, blood purifying, blood cleansing properties. And those are sheep sorrel, turkey rhubarb, slippery elm, and chaparral. I mean, uh, turkey, rhub- uh, turkey rhubarb. I think I said I say them all. Anyway, so it's a very well-known 
It's actually a formula that's been out for almost 100 years. It was developed in the 1920s. Hey guys, I'm so excited that my new book, Waste Away, The Chantel Rayway, is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much anywhere you can find books. But we also have the audiobook, the ebook, and my new recipe book that you can download all the recipes that I love that I make, and it's super cheap. It's all my favorites. Anyway, if you have a minute to write a review on Amazon, I would be ever grateful. Awesome. All right, Sutton in New Jersey said, I recently had raised a garden bed installed at my house. At first I planted a bunch of veggies, but I wasn't really happy with how they turned out. It was just too much work. I want to turn the bed into an herb garden. What are some of the most useful low maintenance herbs that I can plant? That's so funny because I did the same thing. I had put a big garden in my house and it was just too overwhelming. I was having someone come in every week and I was like, we need to have some low maintenance herbs that are really good. I know you mentioned rosemary and basil and parsley. What else would you say that are pretty good herbs that are reasonable to plant? Uh, you know, those are probably my favorites. I also love rose hips and I love chives. You know, chives will come back every year and they're easy to move in and out. And I totally agree. Sometimes it's completely hard to, to do a garden. And if it's too much work or, you know, I mean, I have a, I live on an acre, which is, I'm really lucky. So I, I do have a big garden, but sometimes I find it easier to go to the farmer's market and get lovely organic mm. food that's grown at the farmer's market. And that's what I would suggest people do. It's definitely a great idea. If you're having a struggle with veggies, switch over to herbs and then move them in and out Yeah. during the winter. And those are my favorites. I mean, you can branch out, but I don't branch out too much from those. I do grow basil. I love to grow cilantro. Oh my gosh, cilantro is my favorite. The problem is here, cilantro grows better in when it's a little bit colder. Um, so, you know, in the summer, you have a hard time growing it. But I am like a cilantro, like you can't, Put. This is what I tell people when I go to a restaurant. I say, now tell them to put extra cilantro, and then just when they think they've really overdone it, go put another cup of cilantro. Friends, <laughs> if we live next to you, because I feel the same way. Yes, cilantro, and you know okay. cilantro is a detoxifier, right? Yes, for heavy metals. For heavy metals, I love it. I'm just, I, I must, it must, my body must know how much I need it um, because I just want it all the time. I can't ever get enough. All right, this is from Allen in Virginia Beach. I'm super diet conscious and I eat really clean. My weight is in normal range, but I still struggle with my blood pressure. I really, really don't want to be on blood pressure medicine for the rest of my life. Have you seen any situations where people were able to regulate their blood pressure by using herbs? Yes, yes, and triple yes. <laughs> yes, herbs are powerful for blood pressure. Um, I would definitely add cayenne pepper, just because it is a vasodilator like we talked about earlier. Then there's things like cinnamon and celery seed and flax seed and holy basil. So what I would suggest, these are, these are foods. So these are herbs, but they're foods. And there's a reason that humans have been seasoning their food with herbs, not just because it makes them taste good, because they're, but because they're so nutritious for us. So someone like Alan needs to say, all right, I need to take a look at not just am I 
putting these herbs in my food, or you can actually do supplement. You can take supplements of these things. If you're not big on, say, cinnamon, you can get a cinnamon supplement. You can buy cinnamon in a capsule and, and cayenne and take it every day, um, which is a good way to do it if you're not able to, you know, and Hawthorne. Hawthorne is great for lowering, low, lowering blood pressure. Mm. But then take a look at the other lifestyle factors and even possibly implement fasting, whether it's intermittent fasting or one or two or three or four day complete water fast with maybe some water, you know, Himalayan sea salt and water just to get your electrolytes. But that right there resets, not just your digestion elimination, but it also resets all of your systems. So if you can incorporate in, in fasting into a high blood pressure situation, along with the other herbs and nutrition, blood pressure can be normalized very quickly. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize how healing fasting is. And it's I amazing. talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, have you done any extended fasts yourself, Jane? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I do, um, I do a five-day water fast once a quarter. And I've, and I've, that's the rhythm that now is comfortable for me. I used to do a long juice fast, like seven to 10 day fresh green juicing. And then once a year I would do like a 10 day water fast. And what I've found were, and that's great. I, you know, when fasting is intimidating for people in the beginning, yeah, it is. you know, they can't imagine even skipping one meal, let alone right. skipping, you know, several meals. But I've, the rhythm I've gotten myself into is five days, once a quarter. And I feel, I actually get to the point where I look forward to it mm. because I know I'm going to have mental clarity. My sleep is perfect. My skin looks great. My stomach is flat. And I just have all this crazy energy. So yeah. it, it's the opposite from what people might think. It's like, and maybe I know people that fast for the first time that, ha that struggle that will. Yeah. And really, that's really just about like, um, you know, I'm writing a new book and it's just all about fasting. Um, but it's, it's really about building yourself up to it. Cause you know, the analogy that I give is like, if you were going to go run, you know, a half marathon, you wouldn't go out there and go do a half marathon. That's just going to cause injuries and you're going to be a hot mess. And so that's why intermittent fasting is so great because then you just work it up and you go, okay, today I'm going to not have one meal. Now tomorrow maybe I have not two meals. Now I only have one meal. And you just keep building up. Um, and then maybe you go a 24-hour fast and then 48 hours. And doing it with a friend is really, really important. So next time you do a five-day, um, you know, one thing that's also really important uh, that I'd like to say is, so I weaned myself off of thyroid medicine. I finally off of it. I got, had taken thyroid medicine. I had then weaned myself off. Then I was just had to go right back on it. And now I've weaned myself off again. And when I'm taking thyroid medicine, it was very difficult for me to do long fasts because of the thyroid medicine. It just makes you feel yeah. terrible. Because then when you're fasting, your thyroid works in overdrive. So now you're taking thyroid medicine. You see what I'm saying? On top of, so when you're taking medicine, it is harder to fast. And so now I'm on no medicine at all. It's so much easier to do the fasting like you want to. So, yeah, I would agree with that. But it's next time you want to do a fast, next time you want to do a five day fast or whenever it's turned, let's do it together because that'd be so okay. fun. 
Okay, that sounds awesome. Okay, Amy in Northern Virginia says, my kids are relatively healthy. They just deal with sniffles, sore throats, ear infections that are common for kids their age. Are there any herbs that are unsafe for kids or is there anything I should be taking as a preventative to not take antibiotics? Okay, yeah. I mean, most, most herbs are safe for kids. You know, you just simply lower the dose. You know, you feed your kids things that have cinnamon in it and turmeric in it. And I mean, herbs are really just that, but don't flavor food like those things do. So my favorite two things, um, when I was raising my kids, now I have, I have grandkids, and this is to be a game changer to have these. So I love echinacea, and echinacea is something that your body will build an immunity to if you use it every single day. So I would say two months on and then take a couple month break with echinacea, and then lomatium. So lomatium, you, uh, we, we make a tincture of it. You can put, so my grandson is five and he gets an ear infection every year. And what you do with lomatium in liquid form is you, when he gets an ear infection, we just put a couple drops in his ear and give it to him internally. And we give it to him uh, in a little bit of water with the, with, the, with the liquid, the tincture. And then he just drinks it down and he's been taking it since he was a baby. So he's used to the taste. And we do that four or five times during the day. So a couple in the draw, a couple in the ear, drink some internally. And the next day his ear infection is gone. I mean, Lomatium will clear up an infection that fast. Now with Lomatium, the cool thing is, is your body does not appear to build an immunity to it. So you mm. can send your kids to school every day with a dose of Lomatium. Um, and we actually put Lomatium in a throat spray as well that has 14 other herbs and it's so awesome. So those two things I would recommend for kids. You don't need to get complicated. They don't need a hundred things. Echinacea in liquid form because then you can control the dose and Lomatium. Awesome. This next question is from Anonymous. They didn't give us their name. It says, my husband found a tick on him about three months ago and hasn't been feeling well lately. Of course, I Googled way more than I should. And now that I'm now I'm convinced he has Lyme disease. He says I'm a hypochondriac and of course won't go to the doctor. Are there any herbs that I could slip him that would help with his symptoms and potentially prevent the Lyme disease from developing? He's tired and achy all the time. He complains of a headache a lot and commonly has a slight fever. Okay, so <laughs> Isn't that a funny question? It's so cute. Yes. Okay. So first of all, yes, there are herbs that help with Lyme. The funny part is she says, I'm going to slip it to him. Like, I know he's not going to actually take it. <laughs> what I'm going to say second is I would never slip a, a, anything to your spouse. Um, <laughs> I have a spouse and have for a long time. And, and I've just learned that sometimes you need to let them be their own person, no matter how hard it is to watch them suffer. Um, and eventually they might come around to mm -hmm. trying something different, which might include natural medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, but believe it or not, Lomatium is very powerful against the Lyme spirochete as the different co-infections mutate. You know, as the Lyme spirochete, they might mutate into Bartonella or Babesia. You know, the Lyme spirochete is very smart. And Lomatium, I've seen, now it's not a quick fix unless you catch it early. You know, if he's only, it's only been two or three months, he, he's still in a pretty, his body is still in a good space where it sounds to me like he probably does have the first symptoms of Lyme if he's having all those, you know, and he was bit by a tick. 
Yeah, we're, we're, humans are in denial for sure. Mm. But, but I would I would use lamation and I would do chelation therapy. I would do parasite cleanse. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I would do. To you know, there's there's a lot of natural things that people are doing for Lyme, and the results are good. Very good. very. All right, Brenda in Quebec. She says, I've always struggled with hormonal imbalances and my doctor keeps me on birth control to help with this. I really want to wean off birth control. She says, without giving too much information, I don't need it as a contraceptive. I want to take more natural approach. So I have two questions. One, are there any herbs that will help regulate my hormones? And two, is it safe to take while I'm on my birth control? And how do you recommend I slowly wean myself off? Yeah, I, <laughs> I like how she says, without giving too much information, yeah, I don't yeah. need it as a contraceptive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there could be a lot of stuff going on there. And, and yeah. hormones, hormones can be tricky, especially for women, because it, it's pretty delicate because we have such a fluctuation every month with our mm-hmm. monthly periods. Um, but the thing is this, there's, yes, there are some herbs that I would, some adaptogenic herbs like maca, sumarut, ashwagandha. Oh, I'm starting to take maca powder every day. Good. That's good. That's awesome. It's one of the best herbs that women can take to help regulate their hormones. And do you feel that helps with, um, that helps with the estrogen production so that your estrogen isn't too high? Well, I, I do because it's natural. Yeah. And I've been, I, maca has been something I have been taking probably 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. and it's super easy. I just do mine in capsule form. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful adaptogenic herb. So yes, I think that it can help regulate. I also think that there's, there's lifestyle things that can help your hormones, like deep sleep, you know, deep, good sleep is very good for hormone, your hormones. Um, your, your lifestyle with your nutrition is critical. You know, you can't have a crappy diet and expect your hormones to be balanced. Um, getting in nature actually can help lower stress and balance your hormones, things mm-hmm. like that. Vitamin D, you know, and I'm not talking about, I, if, if at all possible, you know, vitamin D is actually a ster- steroid hormone. It's not even technically a vitamin. So the best way for you to get vitamin D is by sunshine on your skin. And this, everybody yes. knows this now. Yes. Your body will produce it. So vitamin D is very, very good. Um, and then believe it or not, bone broth is really, really good for someone, a woman who's going through hormonal issues. And if it were me, this is a total disclaimer. I know I'm not her. I would get off birth control me immediately. Too. I wouldn't even yeah. wean myself. I would... Uh, it, it's, it, it, to me, it's the damaging things that it's doing. Yes. Um, far outweigh the good that, mm-hmm. that it might be doing. I don't, you know, for your situation. Yeah, that's good advice. Sherry in Texas, I started getting lumps and red bumps in my armpits. I've weaned myself off wearing any type of deodorant, antiperspirant, and I feel so much better. Lumps and bumps are completely gone, and after a week or so, I found that I'm not even sweating there anymore and no deodorant at all. Is it healthier to just wear no deodorant, or are there any natural herbs that will help act as an antiperspirant. This is so funny that she asked this question. My husband, so I've been wearing organic, I either wear organic or deodorant, and lately I've been wearing none 
Um, like on the days where I'm like, first of all, we have this guy in my office that literally keeps this office so cold that I'm like freezing all the time. Like there's no chance for me to ever sweat in this office because he likes it really cold. Um, so I'm like, I'm just not even wearing deodorant. There's, I don't sweat. Like I don't need it. Um, but on rare occasions I'll wear the natural kind, but that this is a funny question. I love it. What what would you say to Sherry in Texas? Are there natural herbs and do you wear deodorant? Um, okay, no, I don't wear deodorant um, most of the time. When it's really hot or when I'm in the gym, uh, I will I will <laughs> use something because uh, just, but de- deodorants are different than antiperspirants. So we're designed to sweat there. Mm-hmm. So to be able to stop yourself from sweating with an antiperspirant, that's of course where the aluminum and all the things that they add to an yes. antiperspirant come in. So it took me a little while to stop using an antiperspirant because it's tough. Your body acclimates and you st- you'll stink for a, w- a little while. Um, I used to keep baby wipes always around so that I could you know, wipe my armpits. So for the most part, no, I don't use anything. And you yeah. just really get used to being, if you start you to sweat a little bit it. there, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I love that. Me, and let me tell you what causes the smell. It's not that you're stinky, but you're, what's, what's causing the smell is the bacteria, the moisture in the bacteria. So a lot of that can depend on diet. So if your diet is, is, starts to become cleaner, you're going to find less offensive odor. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I, may, I have a little recipe of a homemade deodorant that I use. And I use like um, coconut oil, shea butter, a little bit of beeswax. And then my favorite is lavender and patchouli essential oil. Can we do this? Can we get that recipe and post yeah. it for everyone? Yeah, oh, that'd be great. And we'll put it in the, yeah. in the show notes. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'd love that. It's easy because everyone should be able to make their own deodorant. Yeah, that's awesome. And and really, I just totally agree with you. I went from wearing real deodorant to getting myself on all natural. And it's a very rare day that um, I wear deodorant. And here, let me, I mean, it smells like a million bucks. Like, I wish you could smell it through. But I mean, it smells fantastic. <laughs> but that's how it should be. That's awesome. That's, yeah. a, hard, that's a hard one. That's a good question. Because it's a great question. Yeah. All right. Last question. Joanne in Virginia Beach. I had shingles about three years ago during a stressful time in my life. Unfortunately, it has just come back again. The case wasn't yet severe, and my doctor put me on Valtrex, which seems to be helping the shingles go away, but I really hate taking drugs. Is there anything I should be taking now to help this active case that I have, and is there anything that I could take regularly to help prevent this from coming back? Joanne in Virginia Beach. Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, this is one of this is one of the favorite things about what I do because shingles is so painful, and it's one of those systemic viruses that that you seem to never be able to eradicate. You only seem to be able to control the flare-ups like you would like a herpes virus. So, lomatium I've seen completely eradicate shingles completely, where you it completely knocks the virus out of your body. So here's one thing that's, that we didn't really talk about, and I'm not sure, I, I know I talked about it on the Candida Summit because I talk about it whenever I talk about Lomatium. There is a potential for a one-time full body detox rash that some people get. About 10% of the of people who take Lomatium for the first time 
will break out in a full body one-time detox rash. And what I believe is happening, this, so this, so Joanne, uh, Joanne with the shingles, if, you, if someone's had a systemic deep-seated chronic viral issue, or even a fungus, but mostly I believe a virus, and their body finally has the chance to eradicate it by the introduction of say a plant called like lomatium, your liver cannot take how fast your body is getting rid of the viral load. So your skin as your largest organ is basically just helping out. So this rash is not dangerous, it's not contagious, it's a lot less painful than the shingles, a shingles breakout. Um, it is really uncomfortable and itchy and we front load people with a ton of information about this rash and how to deal with it and how when to look out for it. And, but this is something that if, if you're contemplating trying lomatium, you need to be aware that they, it, for some people, it comes with the potential for a one-time rash that is not dangerous and it's not contagious. It's just really unpleasant to go through. So, awesome. well, tell everyone if they want to get a hold of you or buy some of the herbs, you can buy them. I've been on your website and it's beautiful, by the way. I love it. It's just so pretty. Um, but I see that, you know, I'm looking at it now and you've got kind of some different things. Talk a little bit about, to, first of all, tell people how to get to you and what different packages that you have. Uh, well, so they can find our website, which is barlowherbal.com. So my maiden name is Barlow, so B-A-R-L-O-W. And the core uh, of the tinctures, so the liquids, were, were my dad's. And he passed away almost 21 years ago. So I've been doing his work for a long time. But the, so the company is barlowherbal.com, where you can find us. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel which is total informational. So it's Barlow Herbal. Just go to YouTube and type in Barlow Herbal. And the goal there is just to share information about herbs, share information about lifestyle. And I love what you said. I think what you said was so powerful about the herbs and thinking about, you know, like the lady who had the the herbs sitting in her, you know, closet for what'd you say, 12 years or, you know, something like that, right? And I, I think if you asked anyone, if you asked 95% of the people, I'm sure they would say, you know, I do have herbs that have been there for a really long time. So with yours, you know, I'm looking on your site, which is so beautiful, but like these herbs, are you guys making them or like, are you growing them and then turning them into capsule form? Or are you okay, working so with we, a distributor? Yeah, good question. So we go out every fall. And we wildcraft lomatium because lomatium has never been successfully cultivated. So you can't get some seeds and go out and plant them like you can cultivate almost every other plant. You can carefully organically cultivate most plants, right? So lomatium, we go out every fall, we wildcraft the lomatium, we cut it, we dry it, we cure it. It's this whole process we go through. We've been going through it since I was a teenager with my dad. Um, and it's just something that we do as a family. And then after we dry it and cure it, we bag it and barrel it, and we take it to the manufacturer. So we, we used to make everything by hand, uh, but we don't anymore. We had, even though we were making everything compliant, we couldn't prove. You know, we didn't have a lab. And it, so everything now is made at a facility about 45 minutes south of us here in Salt Lake. And um, so they take the lamation that we've wildcrafted. It goes in, through a testing process when they first get it. When they make it into the, we make several different things with lamation in it. 
then it gets tested again each batch. And then all the other things that we make are sourced organically. They're either organic or they're wild crafted because sometimes you can't get something that's organic, but you can get that wild crafted. Mm. And so there's a difference there that, you know, I'm going to order, I'm going to order that cayenne pepper and the turmeric from you today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what, you know what, Chantel, let me send, let me send you some as a thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. No, I would love to. It's always so nice to connect with people and yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we do, we. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? How about we do this? Um, you can send me one, but then um, or instead of giving it to me, I'll buy my own. And why don't you, you give the ones that you are going to give me to one lucky listener. How about that? Oh, that'll, that. that'll be great. Yeah. So like you'll do a package together and um, we'll put a Facebook post with kind of your site and all that. And you tell me what we're going to give and we'll give that away to one lucky listener because we I'll give, I'll give them uh, like a total little package of love, including some of my skin serum. Awesome. Okay. Well, that yeah. will be exciting. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure talking to you. Just what a yeah, joy this you. is. It's, we never met before. Yes. I know. But I instantly become friends, right? Indeed. indeed. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Chantel. It's been yes. awesome. Well, if you guys have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayway.com. And again, if you want to go to BarlowHerbal.com and check out our Facebook page, uh, our Chantel Rayway page, you will see a chance to win an amazing package that she's going to put together for us. So, all right, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to chantelrayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.